0: Another day, another glass of wine. It's a hard job, but I do it all for you guys. <laughs> I'm happy to share that this week's episode is provided by La Chica by Ondrama Sellers 2011. Ondrama Sellers is run by husband and wife team Juan and Miriam Puentes. Juan is the son of immigrants from Jalisco, Mexico, and Miriam is an immigrant herself from Mexico City. Named in honor of Honorio Ramirez Mata, Ondrama reflects the bond of respect and admiration between generations. From the soul of a man whose quest for a better life for his family brought him to Napa Valley, working to tend the vineyards and harvest the fruit, to the souls of his children and grandchildren who lovingly make the wine." They produce varietals of wine from Cabernet Sauvignon to dessert wines like La Chica, which I say for this specific interview. Miriam is also one half of a duo that created Las Amigas Cube, the first sparkling wine made by Latinas in the United States. Go to Ondramasellers.com. That's H O N R A M A. C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com for more information and to purchase a bottle. Enter code WINEANDCHISME for 15% off your purchase. Let's use this opportunity to support these Latino winemakers and small businesses. Hola, hola mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The wine and cheese may Wednesday.
1: I'm so happy to see your face. Oh, I'm so sorry it took so long. Oh my god, I was like, this is crazy, but life's going on, you know. And, and
0: it, here you are saying you're going to look a mess. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to put on any makeup. You look amazing.
1: No, I literally you're such I a I brat. Just, I literally just put on makeup because I thought, holy shit, I look crazy. So I was, I went to Home Depot, put on makeup. I'm having my um, master bath bathroom done, so. The contractor's in there. I'm like, I need to put some makeup on. I need to go do something because I didn't want to like show up and be at, you know, or whatever, but (laughs) no you the recording, right? Yeah. Perfect. So,
0: well, before we get into anything, we always start with the wine and then I'm going to take a moment to gush after we talk about the wine before we get into any questions. So I'm actually, so I've been working with these Mexican American vintners and they sent me several wines. So this one, I was like, oh, my gosh. As soon as I saw this, girl, I'm not kidding. I was like, I am saving this for when me and Veronica talk. Yay! Because it's called La Chica. Stop it. No, it's called La Chica. It's California? Yeah. It's called oh, La Chica. God. It's uh, by Ondrama Sellers. It's a late harvest white wine. They said it's more of like a dessert wine. So Juan, one of the maker, one of the owners, him and his wife Miriam are the owners of this. So these are his tasting notes. La Chica, made in honor of my sweet angelic wife Miriam, harmonized into one. This wine and La Chica express similarities, everlasting sweetness, richness, and a perfect balance of sweet and crisp. This delicate wine will have you falling in love all over again, just like
1: I do daily. Oh. <laughs> Right, I'm gonna have to go get some of that. Where Where do they have? Is it sold everywhere? At the
0: no, you have to order it because only ten percent of wine is actually made by people coming from communities of color, and only two percent is actually in retail spaces. Oh, my so God. yeah, that's, so that's why I'm trying to do these things to help, like amplify and share, right? Because it's super duper important. Mm-hmm. So
1: I don't, I, I don't have my. <laughs>
0: Well, salud. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how it is. I love it. Definitely dessert, wine. It's definitely sweet. You know what it tastes? OK, it kind of tastes like honey.
1: It looks like it's the color, too. Yeah, it like it's the it's it's not, yeah, it's darker. It's not. Yeah, it's a late
0: harvest white wine and it tastes like it tastes like honey. Does it say on the back what it is? No, it just says his one just puts his dedication to Miriam on it. It tastes like honey and it tastes like um like the sweet, like the sweet
1: crisp apples. Wow. I'm so jelly.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm not a big sweet wine person and it comes, it's a really, if you notice, it's a really small bottle. Yeah. But because they told me it's a dessert wine. So you don't drink a lot of it anyways. Okay. Before we get into questions, I just want to gush because. You have been, and I might get a little emotional because this is just how I feel about you, Vero. Since the moment we met, you were one of those people, you were just like, I know I'm going to make you cry. Let's start the beginning
1: off. I'm of Chiona, so been, it doesn't matter. I'm already a Chiona.
0: <laughs> but like literally, as soon as we met, you instantly were like, I'm by your side. I got you. Right? Like I... I remember us meeting and it was at one of like your first event things that you were doing. And you're just like, what's your name? And I'm like, Jessica. And you're like, where do you, I think I was working at AT&T at the time and a uh, guy and that was so long ago. We've known each other for so long. And you were just like, okay, cool. Like, what do you do? I want to know about you. And we're very similar in that way. Cause we want to know about everybody. We meet, we want to hear everybody's stories. We want to hear like, what can I do for you? What can, and you're so very much like that, but everything that I've ever done, you've been like, you have people that are cheerleaders and you have people that are advocates. You've always been an advocate to me. You've always been somebody who's like, not just like, oh, I want to see you do good things. You've always been that person's like, well, how can I help you get better? What do you, who do you need to meet? Tell me if you see somebody, I know them, I will make it happen. Like that is who you are. You know, when there was an opportunity at the Super Bowl, you were like, hey, girl, they're hiring at the Super Bowl. Here, here's the information. Like that stuff was not just out there, right? You were like, here it is. And I, like, I feel like having somebody like you, like you indirectly, I feel like impacted the trajectory of my life Aww. <laughs> in the best way possible. I know. Oh, thank you so <laughs> much. I didn't think I was going to get this emotional, but it's true because like you see something and you see, if you believe in somebody, you like go all the way with them. <laughs> and I remember like, I was talking to somebody one time and I remember that, people would hate on you, not because of what you're doing, but because you were doing it, right? Like, I remember hearing people say, oh, Veronica thinks she's this and that. And I was like, okay, you need to stop because Veronica's my friend. I don't want to hear any negativity about her because she's been nothing but amazing to me. So if you have something to say, you're not going to say it in front of me. Like, I won't allow that to be said in front of me, And it was never about like, oh, you're a bad person or anything, but you just hustle. You hustle so much. You're like, I want to do this. Let's make it happen. What can I do? How can I make it happen? And I think that's just one of the things that people hate on because when they don't have the opportunity or they don't have the, not necessarily the opportunity, but when they don't have the guts to go for what they want, they hate on those who do. Right. And you since I've known you always go for what you want. So there's my gushing over.
1: (laughs) It just brings me so it gets me so emotional, too, when I see your face, because it takes me back to when we were so young, we were like in the prime of our life, you know, and we were just friends kind of witnessing each other's trajectory, like you mentioned. And I didn't know what I was doing. All I knew is that I wanted to, to help people and I wanted to help us as Latinos. And that's why social Latino, we started social Latino, you know, you were our first one there. And when I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I just knew that I wanted to do something for us, you know, us as, as women and us as Latinos. So yeah, you know, and, and I mean, I can't believe when I think about that, I never thought that I would be where I'm at married with day with kids, you know, and then doing stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's just, it's amazing. I feel just incredibly blessed to know you as well. Cause you've been right there with me, you know, and even when you were going through stuff with your mom and talking about your mom and your family, and I need to move back to California. I mean, I just remember all those milestones in your life. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I'm so proud of what you're doing. This is amazing. When I saw, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. To all of it. Cause you I know see- you were
0: literally like, I think before I f- officially launched the podcast, I had sent you an email saying, Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do a podcast and you have to be on it. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. And I'm so glad that you're doing so well with that, you know, and it fits you. And it's very, of course, you're doing wine and cheese mint. Like, I'm like,
0: yeah, duh. <laughs> okay. You were a witness to that because I tell people, like, when I came up with the name and I was like, you know what, people that know me, they're like, duh. Right. Like, duh. <laughs> this totally fits her. So you're witness to that because you've known Um, me for so so long. (laughs) When did you launch Social Latino?
1: That was in 2005 or four. So we've known each other 15, 16 years. Yeah, I've been. I was at visit Dallas for December. Would have been my 17th year.
0: Wow! Oh my gosh!
1: In December, you know, with COVID, I feel like I don't even know what time it is. I feel like it feels like. Last month was two years ago, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know it's so crazy just how everything has happened. I can't believe like ending 2020 with 50 episodes. Like that is mind blowing to me how all of these things have progressed and seeing, and we'll get into like the things that have changed in your life this year because a lot of change has a lot of things have changed in your life as well. But I need to get a tissue.
1: Oh, go ahead.
0: <laughs> so let's start because I know you have a really, interesting story your story has given you ups and downs and you've been around the block many times so and you I and you're a testament um and as a lot of people have been here but I think you're a testament in regards to you cannot let your your past define you but you've used your past to fuel you forward so you grew up in the Austin area so tell me like or tell everybody here, like kind of how you grew up, what your family dynamic was like um, growing up in the Austin area.
1: Yeah. So I grew up, like you mentioned in Austin, I have six siblings. Um, My mom and dad were very young. I mean, my mom had my oldest, I have an older brother and my mom had him, I think she was 14 or probably was pregnant at 13, had him at 14. So I had very, very young parents and my parents. So I grew up part-time with my parents and my grandparents, because when my parents were not able to take care of us, we would go and stay with my grandparents. So my grandparents were very much, they were entrepreneurs. They were first generation immigrants. So I was raised very culturally Mexican, hardworking entrepreneur grandparents with eight cousins in one house. And then my mom and dad were very much Chicanos, right? So they were living that lifestyle of drug, sex, and alcohol. So I was kind of brought up in both diff- two different <laughs> polarizing dynamics, but, um, but I wouldn't change it. I learned, my dad taught me a lot about the street and I, you know, we were always on welfare and had drugs all around us every time. And so I was exposed to a lot of that early on. And actually I was a T mom, you know, you know, I had Libby when I was 15 years old, so mm-hmm. I was forced to grow up so early um, and, you know, I, again, I don't change anything. I love the entire experience, but it also gave me a lot of, um, opportunity to, that's why my personality is the way it is because I was, I went to like 13 elementary schools, you know, so I had to learn to make friends wherever I went. So made me very resilient to change and very, very flexible with, you know, with everything. So, yeah, I mean, I always tell people I was so blessed to be raised very Mexican and then very Chicano-American, you know, because it also just created who I am now from that perspective. Um, I don't have my father. My father passed away when I was young, when I was 21. And he was 41. and But my mom still lives in Austin, in San Marcos. So I don't have a close relationship with her. I'm trying to do better at that. But just because I, I just she didn't take care of us early on. So I think I was still dealing with a lot of that. So I, I still kind of reach out to her, but I'm very close to my younger half sister. And I talk to my brothers all the time and my cousins from Austin all the time. They're like my siblings because we all were raised by our grandparents. So yeah, I don't know how deep that that's enough, but yeah. I'm, uh... <laughs> well, no, I mean, you're talking about um, having Libby
0: when you were 15. Was that a, was there just not, somebody, because obviously that can happen for a plethora of reasons, right? But it wasn't not that you had something stable or were you not taught about Mm -hmm. sex ed and everything, because it was very like traditional Mexican, you're not going to talk about that. So you were like unaware or or not properly
1: educated. And that's what happens. No. So uh, where I grew up, it was normal. Like there was a lot of young girls getting pregnant. You know what I mean? It was like, not like, oh my God. So even my cousin had a kid young. And then my mom, I think that it's not that I wanted to, I knew that I was probably insecure with myself because I didn't know we my parents did not talk about sex my mom never talked about my period like I didn't even know who to go to when we were you know that was not talked about like me becoming a woman me having a period none of that was ever discussed at home it was just taught you need to um, go and learn how to be a good wife in the kitchen and even going to school when I was going to go to college my grandparents were like everyone's like why are you going to college we don't do that. That's for white people. You know, why would you do that? And so I think early on it's just, I, my, you know, Libby's dad was the first person I ever had sex with and I got pregnant, you know, so I never had a conversation about it. Why or whatever. And I, and I have to say my dad was in prison then. And I always know, I mean, I know now that women, you know, with daddy issues are probably in bad situations, you know? So my dad wasn't there for me and I'm not using that as a, oh, okay. So, I that was an excuse. It was just, I'm looking at everything is, uh, Oh, where, where, where was I left out? And I think it was that, you know, I was out there trying to be validated and not know how to handle those situations. Didn't know how to handle peer pressure. And, you know, I think that's just kind of what happened. And I just didn't know how to, how to even have a conversation with a guy about I'm not having sex, you know, or what that looked like. So, yeah. And then my mom being young, it was normal. I I had friends that had kids. I mean, I was in high school and it was a normal thing. And especially in Texas, I know that's a huge number that still reflects on Latinos um, and Mexicans of teen pregnancies are like the highest, you know what I mean? It's the Mm -hmm. highest populated um, demographic of teen pregnancies. So,
0: yeah. So when you had, when you got pregnant, with Libby, who was it? Your grandparents were they the ones that were kind of like there for you, or did you was there, or were you just pretty much like on your own?
1: Yeah, I was on my own. So when I told my mom, um, she told me that I have to have an abortion. And my oldest brother was so mad, he's like, You can't have it. When you go to sleep, I'm gonna punch you in the stomach. Like I was basically threatened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Libby's dad's mom was like, You can come stay with us, but you um, you're gonna have to pay us you're gonna have to you can't live here for free and my grandparent my my grandmother was so mad at me I remember she choked me on the couch like when I told her so I was not in a good place with my own family like everyone was like I cannot believe this so I had to move out of my house and I ended up moving in with Libby's dad and I had to pay rent to live there and I was in high school I was in ninth grade
0: Oh my gosh. So were you working? Like, is that, did you have to find a
1: job and everything? I had to get a job. Yeah. So I, my first job was, um, working. There was like a internship that I I don't even know how I found out about it. It There's a newspaper back then, like the green sheet, you know, how they had the ads or whatever. Yeah. Worked for the the Austin, um, public safety department. And I was working the summer, like filing papers. And then I applied for a restaurant job. So I had two jobs. And I was working in a restaurant in the back of the house, like making um, desserts and kind of doing the back of the house work. And I was paying rent. And then I got on welfare and I was getting food stamps to help pay and WIC and everything. And I would give my food stamps to my ex-in-laws at the time and pay them to take care of my daughter and to stay there.
0: Wow. I was about to ask, once you had Libby, like how, who helped take care? Because you were
1: still going to
0: school. You so were still, I, you graduated,
1: all I, of that. In college. So I had to stay in my job and pay my Libby's dad's mom. I had to pay her to watch the kid. And I had, and actually my school had a program for teen moms that they provided free daycare while we went to high school. So I would have to get up early and take her to the daycare, go to school, pick her up, go, go to work, and then have, you know, pay for someone to watch her at night.
0: How so, was that? Like going through that, obviously that makes you grow up Really fast, especially if you're not only a mom to a baby at such a young age, but you're having to work and pay rent. How did that like change your? I feel like there that automatically makes a shift in your mindset in regards to how you view the world. Well, I didn't think
1: it was different. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I remember going through therapy for all this stuff when I was getting divorced, my first divorce, and then when my dad passed away. And I didn't think it was different. I thought it was just what you do. I didn't know that, that there was a better way or that people had support. I thought it was just, that's how it thing. as an adult, like you think now, like it's normal that you pay your bills, that you go to work. Like, it's just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? So I never thought, I mean, how else was my kid going to eat, you know? And, and I knew that I wasn't going to drop out of school. That was not even an option for me. Like I was, you know, the editor of my newspaper. I played soccer. I was in cheerleading and drill team and I didn't, and I still had a baby, you know, and I still didn't, I didn't see like anything different. I was in the computer club, the art club, like, so I would go to school with my stroller and do the editing on the newspaper with my journalism teacher. I brought the baby in there and I would work, you know, and I'm still friends with my journalism teacher from this day, like on my Facebook. So I didn't think anything different or that the world was handing me, you know, I had the bad, deck of cards in my game. Like I didn't, I was just like, I knew that I had my I knew that I wanted to still do all these things in my life and
0: work. Well you're definitely that person that you wouldn't ever have a bad deck because you're gonna make the deck work for you. (laughs)
1: Like I'm gonna play the house, you know? Like (laughs) I didn't think I didn't well I was never like I pobrecita like poor me, you know, at all. And I still went and I and I knew I wanted to go to college, you know, and they were upset that I didn't want to college.
0: Question. Does Do you think, cause you said your dad taught you about the streets. Do you think that's where like the street smarts kind of came in? Cause you're like, I got to hustle. Like I got a baby to feed. I got to Because I feel like, look, you didn't have a privilege that some teen moms have in regards to being able to stay home with their parents, not having to pay rent, like still obviously having like a lot of, um, grandparents absorb those costs. Yours didn't. You're the one who had to take Do you think because that you said, you know, that your dad taught you a lot about the streets, do you think that played into a factor of your hustle? Like, no, I'm still gonna do this and I'm gonna figure out how? No,
1: I think that I learned that from my grandparents because my grandparents were entrepreneurs, they taught us about working hard mm-hmm. my dad didn't necessarily teach me how to work hard because half the time my dad was high like coked up in the house walking around with a gun thinking people were coming after him so oh, damn I mean it was like that you know my dad was very much an addict and was like in like paranoid we would be watching tv he's walking around with a gun saying they're coming after him. my mom's like it was normal we were just watching tv and that was I mean that was how when I say it out loud like this I'm like that is crazy yeah you know But we just thought my dad's lit up. My dad was high and we had needles around the house. And so I didn't learn that from that. I learned my grandparents, my grandfather had his own business for 10 years and didn't know how to read or write. So I learned hard work, dedication and commitment to an integrity and respect for community through my grandparents. So I knew that
0: part. Yeah, I was thinking a hustle, not the other way. So I'm glad you clarified. And yeah, I said, so. but I'm glad I asked because that just reveals like a whole other thing, right? That's so crazy. You end up graduating and you go to college, you go to Johnson and Wales. How the hell did you, I've always, I've never asked you this. And I've always wanted to ask you like, because you and Libby's dad <laughs> end up getting married. Was that before you went to college? And how the heck did you guys go to Because I've never asked you that, and I've always
1: thought, like, how the hell did she freaking do that shit? <laughs> right. So, you know, I we were taking, we were required to take a home ec class in high school because if I was doing the daycare program, I had to take, like, a home ec, like, how to take care of a baby, you know, and cooking and all that, and my home ec teacher, I told her I wanted to go to college, and Libby's dad was in an internship program in high school where... It was a hospitality class that he was taking. And because we were working in a restaurant, that's where I worked part time. So I knew that I had an interest in restaurants and, and, but I knew, I knew I wanted to own my own business. So I would talk to her about it while Libby's dad was doing the culinary side. And I said, I want to go to college. And she's like, you should go. And I thought, but I don't have money. Like, how do I go to college? And she said, I will help you do the paperwork. I'll help you apply. And the best culinary school is Johnson and Wells. I never knew what Johnson and Wells was, right? And I said, okay, well, help me out. So she helped me fill out the paperwork. And I said, I don't want to cook. I want to own the rest. I want to own a restaurant. And she said, okay, so take the business, hotel restaurant management, you know, and your Libby's dad can do the culinary side. I'm like, great, we have a plan. He can be the chef. I'll run the restaurant. And I remember we applied, she helped me do the paperwork. We applied and they're like, it's $30,000 a year. This was back in 95, $30,000 a year. And I'm like, well, I don't have that money. You know, she's like, she, I remember having a conversation. She's like, Veronica, get a loan. This is what everybody does. It's okay to have debt. And for school, like this is your future. You have a baby. So she encouraged me and I went and I flew to one of their campuses in, in South Carolina and did a tour and I got accepted. And I just said, I'm going to do this. And I told Libby's dad and his family, they were so mad. They're like, no, you need to stay here. And I had got a job offer out of high school, like with, you know, in Austin, it's like Dell computers when you can work for the city. You know, they were like, why don't you go work for the city and get good benefits? And I'm like, no, I want to go to college. So I applied and I went and then I convinced Libby's dad. I'm like, I'm going to college. You're coming. And um, I remember he's like, yeah, I'll go. He he got in. And so we both, we decided we want to get married. That was our graduation gift. So we had a big wedding, got married. And we used all that money from our wedding to pack in a car. And we drove with our baby and got a hotel, an apartment, and then started school that first semester. How did you guys balance? Because
0: I mean, already college is a big thing. So you're going to college. You're married, you have a baby, and you need to figure out a way to pay for
1: rent continually. How the hell? So, we got in the car, <laughs> right? We got in a car and drove over there, and we had a little bit of money from our wedding gifts that we had. We had like 500 people wedding, and so we had a lot of family- you don't do wedding small, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so, we, we got an apartment. And, um, the first thing, you know, I went and got a job, I waited tables and I worked at the mall and, you know, her, her dad got a job and we just started school. And then we started working and we started just paying the rent. I mean, it was the same thing I was doing in Austin. You know what I mean? So it was normal to me. I was like, I didn't think I couldn't do it. I never thought I, I couldn't do anything. And I don't know, that was my ignorance or just my optimism of I'm going to do what I want to do. And I had so much drive and I just would you know me. I, anything I say, I'm going to do. I just do yes. it. like that since I was 13 and 14 years old. You know.
0: So when you graduated, how did you how did you end up finding your way back to Dallas, and what did you do or to Dallas because that's not where you're from. You're from yeah. Austin. So what was the the path to so, Dallas after you graduated?
1: Well, so then I ended up doing a college internship in Rhode Island, and we had to send my daughter back home for three months while we did an internship. So that was the hardest thing for me to send, be away from her for three months, you know, but I had to, we were required to do a college internship before we graduated. So we uh, went to Rhode Island and I had to live in dorms separate from my husband. So he was in a dorm, in the guys' dorms and I was in the girls' dorms. And during that time, he was like cheating on me and abusing me physically. So I was then on top of that, I was going to school, away from my kid being domestic violence in my life cheating. So I'm like, you know what, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to move back home. I'm getting divorced. And I said, you know, we had a conversation and I'm like, I'm going to interview for jobs and wherever I'm going to decide, I'm going to get a job. Um, I'm going to look for jobs that are in Texas or whatever. And he's like, well, I'll just, I won't interview. I'll just do wherever you go or I'll go wherever you're at. So I interviewed with five jobs, got five job offers. Only one was in Texas, in Dallas. The others were in Miami and Arizona and stuff. So I said, okay, I'm going to take the job in Dallas. And I think it was like $40,000 that they had offered me out of college, which was a lot, you know, 95. Yeah. And so, yeah, we graduated and I graduated from college. Nobody went to my graduation. It was just me and I graduated. And then I ended up driving back to Dallas to Austin to get my kid and um, drove up to Dallas and same thing. Stayed in a hotel, got an apartment, started my job, brought my kid, and then thought we were going to, Libby's dad was like, let's try to work this out. And so he just didn't have a job. I ended up giving him, getting him a job at the hotel company that I was working for. And so he started working and it's still the same thing. He was cheating on me and doing the same thing. And I just ended up getting divorced. But I mean you know, he, you know him, he's just my, he's one of my closest friends, you know, so I don't yeah. have any animosity to that. But. I
0: know. That's so crazy when you're telling me this, cause I know how like close you guys are now. Yeah. So when you are telling me this, I'm like, I mean, I knew the cheating part, that part I knew. I didn't know the domestic violence part. Yeah. And he just seems like, I mean, I'm assuming he's done a lot of work or whatever, but he like, I just wouldn't have imagined that just knowing him. Right. But uh-huh. I've known him from a very different time.
1: Yeah. And he's married. Actually, we we are, have not spoken because his new wife doesn't like, I think she doesn't like the relationship with him and I. So I haven't seen, I mean, if I see him, I haven't seen him in probably three years. He's remarried. He has not a kid himself. So, and he hasn't really been in my daughter Libby's life either because of her. So it just kind of, it is what it is. It's sad because, you know, Ade loves him and Ade's like, yeah. I hate that. Ade loves loves him so much. They had
0: a full-on bromance. Right. And how, he, But like, how crazy is that? Like right before he got married, your ex-husband and your current husband like have this bromance. That is the crazy, like I remember the first time I met him, it was at a Super Bowl party at Maureen's Clubhouse. Yeah. And I didn't know who he was at first. And I saw him with Libby and I was like, is that Libby's boyfriend?
1: She <laughs> because didn't know you
0: know, they were hugging and it wasn't anything inappropriate, right? But it was just like, I didn't know who he was. And we were so young back then too. And I was like, he's kind of old for Libby. <laughs> and then I, and then you're like, oh, Jessica, did I introduce you to Libby's dad? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> makes sense now.
1: Yeah, that's so funny it's so long ago.
0: So you end up, um, how long were you at the hotel company? Did you go straight from there to the Dallas CVB or did you take a different path?
1: No, I was there for nine years and every two years, same thing. I was getting promoted and I I loved working for the hotel company. And I went to a meeting at, which was visit Dallas now, but the Dallas convention visitors bureau. And, um, one of the, the VPs that said, Hey, I, we're going to open this position. I think you should interview for it. And I was like, I love my job. I'm not gonna, but I came in and I, it was over Thanksgiving holiday and my CEO was there for two weeks that he had just started. And I met with him. And as soon as I was driving out, they asked me to come work for him. And so I accepted the offer and I was there for 16 and a half years.
0: Yeah. You, and you like built a position, eventually like built a position for yourself because before you were doing, a lot of relations with like Latin American countries to be able to do some yeah. things in Dallas.
1: It was diversity and inclusion, yeah. Yeah,
0: and then you eventually built what I forget the what you ended up doing because you built a position for yourself. Your
1: uh-huh. it's an experienced department, and experienced director, which is more around. Well, actually, I was doing diversity and inclusion and built that because I didn't have that, and I started you know working with all of the LGBTQ, Hispanic, Black markets and kind of attracting them to Dallas, right. For conventions and tourism. And then my CFOs like, social media came aboard. They're like, we don't know anyone that knows how to do this. We think you should lead this initiative for us. So I went and did all of our digital branding and created all of our social media kind of, kind of platforms and policies and stuff. And then, uh, it's like every, every position I had, I created there and they were just asking me to do, do, do more, do more. And, When I left, I was overseeing our membership and partnership department, which is another experience department that was created too. So,
0: Well, and during that time, you were also in, you've been, you're involved in so many things. Like, I think you, I mean, that probably gives you an in in a lot of places because you get to meet all of these different people. You start Social Latino during that time. Right. You're the president of the YP214, which then was the Young Professionals Group for the Greater Dallas Hispanic Chamber of Commerce which I was a part of, I was on the board (laughs) and doing a lot of the, you know, and, and all of these other things. Oh my gosh. Let me, if I can look at all of the things that you're part of, you've currently been on, or you're currently serving right on many of these boards. 2020 Mayor's Grow South Advisory Council, the Society Advisory Board, you were part of the Mayor's Star Council, your advisory alumni, uh, Dallas Independent School District School Health Advisory Council, Latino Center for Leadership Development Fellow, North Texas Food Bank Capital Campaign Committee, Girls Inc. North Texas Champion for Girls Co-Chair, you were in Dallas Dress for Success, Lee Park and Arlington Hall Conservancy, Conservancy, YP214, the Young Professionals, YWCA, Young Leaders Board, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Young Leaders, Parents Step Ahead, International Gay and Lesbian Travel Association as Secretary. I mean, Hispanic 100, you were the president in 2015 for the Hispanic 100, Social Latino. You know, like, girl, if people looked at this, and I knew you were already part of a lot of these things, and then reading it, I was like, I don't. And then on top of all that, while you're still at you know, the DCVB or now visit Dallas, you decide I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go get my certification to be a yoga teacher. And then I think I'm gonna open up a yoga studio. Like no big deal.
1: (laughs) It sounds like a lot when you say it. And but honestly, I just told you what I was doing in high school with a kid, soccer, cheerleading, drill team, art team, computer. So it's very much who I am as a person as a human being is that whatever it is and whatever my, my gift to, to be here in this life school or what I call it, I feel that I am authentically living in a place where I am a giver. I'm a contributor. I'm a community builder. And hearing you say that it just, it's just a testament of, of what I believe in, you know what I mean? I'm always starting and now that you said that, a lot of those were new things, right? The Hispanic Chamber didn't have a YP214. The Gay Chamber, I was a part of the Dallas Gay Chamber. They didn't have a chamber. I was a part of starting that. Social Latino, I helped. That was something that was started from nothing. Hey Chica, which I'm doing now, started from nothing. The Mayor Star Council, I was the beginning on the first class of that. It was starting Latino Center for Linda. That was the first of everything. So I really feel that I've been called to be on the beginning cusp of all these things and plant seeds and then move. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I have to stay in alignment with that, but I don't know. People are asking, like, how do you do it all? I'm like, I don't know. Cause when you say it out loud, I'm like, holy shit. How did I? <laughs> it's almost like
0: your second nature, right? You're like, let's do it. Let's do it. But you know, in the mean, in, in the midst of all that, not only did you open up a yoga studio, but you got married, you met all day and I, Remember all the conversations we had, but <laughs> you met all day, and he was in a totally different place when you guys met. You guys met at a freaking like gas, gas station. station. <laughs> I remember, I remember the story and you did not want to give him the time of day. Uh-huh. You're like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, thank you. And now you're married, right? And I remember your wedding. And you're married and you have two beautiful little girls and you're, you guys are building this, like this health and fitness empire together because he has like the, the rock star fitness that he's been doing for a long time where you, you, I don't even know, tell me if it's working right now just because of COVID, but like there was normally like a live DJ and he was doing. Um workouts. And it was really, really fun, but really, really hard because he does not go lightly on you. When I went for my quote unquote assessment, he's like, ah, uh-uh, Jess, no, keep going. Ah, uh-uh, I know you get, no, hold it, hold it. And I'm like, oh, damn, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but in the best way possible. And then I- you guys start V12 yoga and tell me how it like what inspired you to, to create V12 yoga? And then how has it been during like this year with COVID? How has that impacted your, your businesses?
1: So, uh, Ade doesn't do rockstar fit camps anymore. It was way before camp gladiator. Remember it was like, yeah, yeah. So he does teach the same format, but because now we have the yoga studio and we just opened a gym in Fort Worth. So it's an MMA boxing fighting gym. You so, opened a gym in Fort Worth? Yeah, uh, oh so God, called Lamb Four. So he's doing a lot. Of, now he's just the CEO. He's overseeing, you know, uh, well, because I couldn't even be at the yoga studio because I was homeschooling the kids. And, 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 and in the midst of all that, you know, um, we lost a son. I mean, so imagine having to run pregnant a pregnant with twins. Yes, I was pregnant with twins. We lost our son the, the day after. So I was grieving raising a two-year-old, Kalia Nat, and then having Anais at the same time, going through that, having the yoga studio. And I mean, it was a lot, you know what I mean? And a lot that came from that. But the yoga studio is still there. We've opened, it's been six years. And I got into that because I had a stroke when I was 30 years old from doing too much traveling, drinking, going out, living that rock star life <laughs> that you got to witness. <laughs> and, um, you know, a, a friend that I'm not friends with anymore, invited me to go to yoga class. Cause she knew that I came, I had a problem with taking medication for, for stress, and anxiety, because obviously I share my story about my dad being an addict. And I was so afraid of becoming addicted to some sort of medication. So she took me to yoga class and she, they never went to yoga. I just fell in love with it. And obviously like, again, I'm so extreme when I was in there, I thought there's nobody that looks like me. I want to teach. I got my certification. And I thought, you know what? I want to own my own space so that way I can make it Latino. soul. I wanted it to, people to look like me. I wanted it to be hip. And that's how B12 got started. And the name B12 is because my friends used to call me B12, like always on the go, like an engine. So and it's power yoga. So it just kind of came that way. And, and yeah, and Ade was already doing fitness. So it was a perfect marriage of a lifestyle, right? I was in yoga. He was doing fit camps and just kind of happened the way it does. And now our gym in Fort Worth. So, but now we do corporate wellness programming. We go everywhere. Now it's all with COVID. We're doing it all via zoom. So I'm TM. Now I have my meditation certification because I went and I wanted to teach meditation. So
0: so if I, you're not sensing a theme here. Veronica's like, I like this. I'm going to get certified and I'm going to start a business. <laughs> like, it's never just like, oh, I want to do this. And I'll, no, it's always like, you're right. It's extreme. Like, oh, I want to do this. I'm going all the way. Like, you don't see. That's one of the things that I really love about you, Edo. is like, you don't see, you just see endless possibilities. You're like, well, why, if I'm going to do it, why not do it all the way? Like, why wouldn't I? That's silly. Like, why would I want to work for somebody else at this point when I can just do all these things myself?
1: Like, that is one of the things that I really admire about you. And that doesn't too much is given much is expected. Right. I mean, it comes with a lot of sacrifice and discipline and commitments. And I really, I I attribute that to my grandparents. They were entrepreneurs and I think they planted that seed. So everything I do, I look at it from an entrepreneur lens, like how can I grow it? And now even more that I have kids, uh, younger kids now, now it's about leaving legacies and everything that I'm involved in now has to have a end all chess move with strategy with, because my time now is so valuable and I realize that that if I'm doing something that it needs to be done with purpose, but there's got to be some sort of strategy of why I'm doing it. And it's got to be building towards a legacy for my kids, 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 you know, and it has to have value for it from that point of view. How has,
0: because obviously you have two little ones and Libby is a full grown woman now. Yeah. She's full grown now. What do you, or have you and Libby ever talked about or... Like, what does she remember from those times? And what do you think that she's gotten from you that is fueling her today?
1: So I had this conversation, this grown woman conversation with my daughter last, I want to say it's probably three months now. I was driving and I, the more that I practice meditation and sort of self-care, I really find a lot of things that I need to go and kind of lay a bed, right? So I had a conversation, I was driving with her. I said, I need to talk to you. And this is like, from a woman to a woman, not mom, daughter relationship. it's like, I need to know if there's anything that I left undone for you. If there's anything that you're still holding on to that, if something were to happen to me tomorrow, that we didn't clear the air. Right. And she was taken back by that. I think she was like, oh my God, started crying. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not going anywhere. I just, I'd rather have a conscious clearing conversation about where did I fail you? So I can go back and repair that. And so you can have an understanding of where I was coming from. And then so we can build upon it if it needs to be built upon. So she was like, you were never there. And I thought, you're right. She said you were always working. So I don't know. I feel like you never taught me how to cook or clean. You just bought me the clothes. Like I, she was kind of raised as an affluent child, right? She never had to have anything because I was so, I came from nothing. So I was given her I didn't teach her discipline to work for it. I didn't teach her how to manage a checkbook. I didn't do anything. I was just giving her whatever she wanted. And she's like, you didn't teach me, you know, that discipline to clean my room or to cook or do all these things. So, and she's like, but I, I know why, because you were busy working three jobs to put food on the table, you know? So I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. And I always was, my regret was like, man, I wish I was home to play with my daughter. I wish I had that time back with her. But it allows me now to have that time with my girls because I never thought I'd be a stay-at-home mom. And when I was laid off from Visit Dallas in March, I was like, oh my God, here's my opportunity. I've been wishing for and manifesting what I didn't do with Libby. Now I can do it with my kids. And it's just God's way of, of honoring what I'm requesting in my eyes. And so now she gets the best of me because now I can help raise her kids. And now she gets... The best. She gets me the longest because I hopefully will live longer since she was younger. And I get to help witness her life and empower her and have these grown-up conversations. And now she's into meditation and she's into all of that. So we share podcasts and we share books together. And so I think I hold her accountable a lot, even more so. But I also give her a lot of grace. And before, I wouldn't have been able to do that.
0: And she gets something that you never got, which is support from Mm -hmm. grandma you know support from her mom because you didn't have that which still trips me out that you're a grandma because (laughs) you're a glamma not a grandma you're a glamma (gasps) because it's just so weird but you know I'm sure it's a support that she appreciates and that you know every you know every young person that has babies whether you're 15 or whether you're 25 or whether you're 40 who can't you know like Having that support from your family, especially your mom, if, you, if you're able to have it, is, is priceless. Right. You mentioned what I wanted to go into after is getting laid off from Visit Dallas in March. Was it March? Like right when COVID started?
1: I before, right on April. It was March 30th. So like right at the end of March.
0: Now you have, hey chica, you've <laughs> another venture. How, how, like, when did you decide? Cause knowing you, this is how I imagined. Cause we have not like actually talked, we've texted, we've emailed a little bit, but we've not actually like had a real conversation in a while. So this is what I imagine. So tell me how close I am. This just knowing you, <laughs> <laughs> you get laid off and knowing you, you're like, okay, now I get to spend time with my girls, but what else can I do? You know what? I've always, you know, I did this. I could see you like looking, reflecting back on everything that you've done. I've done, you know, uh, Latino, social Latino. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Like, and I want to create a, a community for women. I want to create a, a community for Latino women that we can just come together during this time. It's a difficult time. Things are happening, blah, 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 blah. All right, let's do it. Let's. I'm just going to build this community. We'll call it, you know, I think you started actually before you left visit Dallas. So like, okay, let's do tacos and tequila. Let's do this. Let's do this. We're going to create this community for us to support and uplift each other. And that's what—that's just what's going to happen. That's what I imagine going through your head.
1: Like, how close am I? Very close. So the, uh, it's so close. But you know me. So, you know. So Hey Chica was started two years two years before I got laid off. Right. So Hey Chica came from the birth of when I was grieving and I lost the baby and I went back to work and I felt like I just had an awakening and everyone was zombie. Everyone was looking like the same people. They were doing the same thing. It was the same misery, same people hating on whatever. And I was like looking for leadership. I was looking for mentors. I was looking for people that I can reach out to, to help me through this awakening. Right. And even in my career, I felt like I, I reached a plateau. I was no longer interested. Visit Dallas wasn't exciting for me anymore. And I was Googling, like I want to do, and I was going through so many leadership programs with Visit Dallas, MPI, you know, all of the convention and meetings, events. I was very lucky to go to all these luxurious parties, you know, the Super Bowl parties and all this yeah. stuff. And every time I would go, nobody looked like me, right? And I was so sad because I couldn't bring my people and be like, "Oh my God, look at this black tie dinner and diffa." And the only da, 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 da. I saw people of at
0: for and let's be real for when, for Super Bowl. And I was very lucky, like all the swanky stuff we got to go to, being part uh-huh. of the sales committee. The only people I saw that looked like me, every you were at some of those things were with nobody. And then the only time you would see somebody swanky that was came from a community of color was the NFL players, was the
1: athletes themselves. Right. So I was like, I want this for my people. I want this. I want them to get poured into. This is what our people need so they can be uplifted and empowered. And I Googled and I didn't find anything like for Latina leadership stuff. And then um, I I've ran into uh, Gabby Nathalie, and she's like, Veronica, um, there's something like that. It's called We All Grow in California. And I said, really? And I, she's like, yeah, I, I go to it all the time. And so she introduced me to Anna, Anna with We All Grow. And I connected with her. I got on the phone. I said, Anna, I want you to bring this to Dallas. I want to help you. I'm in, in the events and space. I can help you find venues. I can help you find money. I can help you sponsor it. You know, doing the typical Veronica, let's do this, you yeah. know? And then I went, she's like, "We'll come into the conference and check it out. So you can get firsthand what it looks like. So I went, I was in love. I was obsessed and we were like getting close to doing it for Dallas, and then she called me and she said, "Vettel, we just can't. We're we're really trying to figure out. We're really trying to sustain what we're doing here. And thank you." And I said, "Yes, and I'll support you, but I'm gonna. I'm just gonna have to start something similar in my own city." She's like, "I'll support you," and I'm like, "I still support you." And so it was just, yeah, Anna's really awesome. Yeah, and it wasn't just that wasn't in their plan. You know what I mean? She said they had went to Miami and it was didn't do well. Like it's whatever. So that's where Hey Chica came about so I created well, here's the
0: thing she doesn't know you like I know you and had I known Anna then like I know Anna now I would have been like girl I promise you like if you have somebody like Veronica in Dallas to do it it's gonna go <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I mean it's it is it's the way it's supposed to be right perfectly timed so but I wanted to do a leadership program, more leadership, not necessarily for marketing people and marketing and creatives. I wanted to do the leadership side of it. Obviously, I was doing that for YP214. So all of it was coming together. And Hey Chica started. And so I was basically doing it as a side hustle and my yoga student all that while I was at Visit Dallas. But when I got laid off, I drive it back to that. Um, you know, I... Uh, my husband's all day is just like, why are you going to go back and work for someone? Take some time off. They paid me a great severance for six months. So I had an opportunity to stay home for six months, get paid and take care of my kids and do nothing, you know, and grow Hey Chica and work on my yoga studio, create content. I could have taught yoga. I started teaching meditation and I, I thought, you know what? I don't know if I can go work for someone anymore. And people just started calling me. So doing consulting, writing programming, consulting, and doing all that stuff. And that's kind of how it's grown. And now it's just kind of taken over its own, right? So, and now I'm still just growing it and doing program for high school. And it's a really big platform now.
0: And you're also doing these other things because you're doing something with the... Hispanic Contractors Association too, right?
1: What are you doing with them? I'm consulting. They hired me as a consultant. Um, They did these Luna Awards where they would go in different cities and honor women in construction and engineering. And they don't know how to do digital and they know that I write programming. So I took their awards and I wrote topics. I, I found speakers for them. I shoot it in studio. I create it. So I'm a consultant and I write all of their Luna programming and I basically do it all from, you know, nuts and bolts. And then I produce it and um, they get sponsors behind it because the content's great. And so I support them and help them create all of that programming for it.
0: And I don't want to forget that you are recently featured (laughs) nationally on ABC News. Girl, you think I'm not going to give all these shout
1: outs? Please, (laughs) please. So you know what? This is the first time. Yeah, this is. So the first time I could actually the blessing with visit Dallas is I couldn't really talk about, Hey Chica. I was like, I couldn't put myself as the face of it. Right. I was like kind of trying to avoid that because I didn't want it to outshine visit Dallas and it just did. And now that I could put myself out there, I was taking a stance and I knew that we had a problem with Latina voters in Dallas and there was topics how they don't court Latinos because we don't vote and it really pissed me off. And so I got behind, a campaign to go to the polls with our Hey Chica shirts and get Latinas to vote, have events. Um, So I went and canvassed all of Dallas and we had um, elected officials at all the polls and we were pushing the Latina voter and just saying, vote for whoever you're going to vote for, but just vote. And we got national news coverage because because Latinos were going to determine the election.
0: And you weren't, I saw it. And I was like, my girl, that's my girl. She's doing things. She's
1: doing a lot of, you're always doing that's the problem. I'm like full on, you know, smash the gas.
0: Yes. Well, when I asked you to describe your life in one word, I don't even know if you get, you said resilient. Why did you choose resilient?
1: Because of where I come from. You know, I, I am so lucky to have the inner strength to overcome and not be afraid of struggle. And I just shared my entire life with you and from drugs to, to death, to divorce, to domestic violence, to teen pregnancies, to starting businesses. So that exudes resilience to me, you know, to be able to, to, to endure all that stuff and still be okay. And and thrive is is a definitely a a blessing and a sacrifice that I don't take lightly. Yeah.
0: What are you hoping to not only live Libby, because Libby's, you know, she's an adult now, but with with your younger girls and with I mean including Libby, but it's I think it probably hits a little bit different now that she's grown. What are the things that you want to share with them or that you're sharing with them now that you hope that they really hold on to as they
1: become littles to teenagers to adulthood? Well, I want them to have the power to be able to manifest and create whatever they want. So to be able to be strong enough to say, I can have whatever I want and I can create it just mentally, right? I want them to have a mental strength that is not being taught now, that brings self-confidence, that brings pride. Now, Kalia's like, I really want to own a lemonade stand. I'm like, okay. And she, she tells people she owns a yoga studio and she's sells- <laughs> She sells jewelry at Hey Chica. So I really want them to know that life is their creation, right? So they, they need to learn hard work, but they also need to be um, resilient in whatever that is. And and I think just leading by example. So I'm already teaching them hard work, discipline, yoga, mental, you know, mental strength. So I'm hoping that that'll continue to grow and they'll be curious and they'll go out and look for more and and just build these strong women to go take over the world.
0: <laughs> I have no doubt that that's what they'll do if they follow their mom's lead. Thank you. What do you see for Hey Chica? Where, where would you like to see Hey Chica go?
1: So Hey Chica is growing into a, it's a, a, a platform that's built around leadership, pipeline right so it's going to have the the chiquita component the leadership for young professionals and then our legacy builders like women over 65 so it's going to be a pipeline a game plan for women to pour into each other to preserve culture to connect to liberate with storytelling telling stories but also to give them the game on how do you succeed in life Where do you go for something like that? Now you think of a Girl Scouts, right? They teach you that theory, but this is so culturally preserved where they don't forget where they come from, but because our culture provides so many tools for us to be the best leaders, the best of everything. I think that I want to kind of boil all that down in one systematic program process, and then I want to replicate it all over. So that way you can buy a workbook on how you can be a better leader as a Latina in corporate, incorporating culture connection and community
0: are you like has this time of COVID been able to um, put more things like online so you're out so you are able to grow really outside of the DFW area
1: yeah absolutely so um Yes. Yeah, so we're doing a lot of digital series, a lot of production that's virtual, but right now during COVID is writing all the curriculum, writing the program, writing the game book, the SOP, I guess, for lack of a better word, writing the book, writing my book. So people know how it came to be and then how they start their own movements in their city. So I want to kind of like the Mary Kay model, like you teach all these women the model and they go and teach it and replicate it. And then it just, that's how it grows. Right. So it's all going to be digital. Um, and then we'll go back to meeting in person when that happens. Cause there's so much power in that. Um, I know I was like super,
0: I really wanted to go to the, cause you know, I go to Dallas like once a year since I yeah. moved and I really wanted to go to the, cause last year, the like big event that you had was actually on my birthday on the
1: second. So
0: I was like, oh, I wasn't able to go, but I was like, oh, I'll go next year and then I'll do. Yeah.
1: I'll do this. So we have, a, we have this, the big summit and then we have a self-care summit. So we do the leadership and then the self-care one in July. Um, but now with the kids one, we're going to do them every month. So we do Tacos and Chill, which is our monthly networker. And then we do, um, we have a book club. So that allows us to have, it's like 50 women in the book club and those are from all over the country. They're not just in Dallas. And then we have the older summit we were going to launch this year too, because we wanted to have all those rituals and old secrets that need to be passed on to us and preserved. So that's the plan to have three summits a year and then all the virtual stuff that we're doing every month.
0: What has this time of COVID taught you about yourself?
1: Um, discipline and patience. I didn't have a lot of patience. Obviously I was doing a lot of things, So I was like, I need it done. I did it myself. Right. So I'm learning a lot of patience, um, and discipline to, um, organize myself and to choose what I want to do now. I don't feel obligated to like someone just called me to sit on a board and I'm like, I'm sorry, thank you. But I can't, I used to say yes to everything. And now I I value my time with my family and time with myself. And I want to be fully committed to what I'm doing and not just doing a lot of things and not getting anything done. Have you
0: learned how to sit still? Yes. Because I know that's like, girl, we're cut out of the same cloth when it comes to that.
1: But I had to with meditation now. So, and it's been the best reward ever. I think that's the most powerful thing that I can do now is to sit for 30 minutes at a time and just do nothing. And I do it been
0: the most challenging thing during this time for you.
1: Um, just not being around my family and gathering, you know, I love my girlfriends and going and having drinks and not being able to do that. It's hard. It's hard not to hug my friends and, you know, get together and have a mambo taxi. And yes, although I can now, it's just not the same, you know, it's, there's a lot of risk. And, um, although I did just did come from a girl's trip in Miami, but I, um, my family and it's just weird,
0: (laughs) you know, no, it is. I, I jokingly laugh at Maureen because she's always with her, her Lysol and everything. And I was like, wipes, I need wipes. She's like, just tell me what you need, girl.
1: (laughs) Uh, Actually, I reached out to her because she's turning 40 this year and I'm taking her to dinner next and two yeah, weeks. This yeah, this month. Yeah. So I need to, um, me and my friend Amira, I don't, I think you met Amira. She's, um, we're taking her to dinner to celebrate. But again, that would normally be a lot of us and we just can't do that right now with COVID.
0: Yeah. Well, we bookend everything with the wine. We start with the wine, we end with the wine. What is your favorite type of wine? Red, white, or rosé, or you can see, it, or even bubbles because technically sparkling wine. And do you have a favorite, like, brand favorite label
1: so i used to i think it's in phases of my life i used to always drink white chardonnay and this is another marine conversation we used to go to cork i don't know if you remember cork in dallas yes. a wine bar or whatever and my favorite wine was evolution one and every time i'd go i never find it i'd have to kind of it's one of those you have to kind of go here and there but I stopped drinking wine for so long and I just recently got back and I'm a red girl right now that I'm older, I drink a lot of red, but I haven't found a favorite yet. And I, I don't go out and buy any yet. I just kind of accumulate it during the holidays and I buy for other people, but yeah, I'm a red girl and anything deep, rich, uh, like I, I like more dry and I'm just not, I don't have a brand yet. So I'm still exploring. There's a local brand in Dallas called Boca Chica. Who, who's been sponsoring all of our Hey Chica stuff? And they're they have a pretty good. Um, they're Latino wine. Yes. Okay, it, you
0: need to hook me up. You need yeah. to like connect me because. Oh, yeah, because I I definitely want to make sure I you know promote they
1: sponsor all our events and they have some a good blush. I'm not a big blush wine, but it's called Boca Chica, and so yeah, I've been drinking that. And I'm but I'm literally I'm. I'm growing up to liquor girl. I'm drinking vodka more than I am wine.
0: <laughs> I have my moments, right? Depends on what, what I'm doing. You know, I just want to say before before I end the, the recording, is I I've met a lot of people through the podcast and everything, which has been really awesome. One of the people that I've met, um, I was actually singing your praises because she had me on her podcast, is Dominica Escatel. hmm and you know she you guys met at like the awards thing and i was like uh, yeah and I, I brought up your name and she's like oh my gosh i know veronica she's so nice she's doing so many things and i was like i was like yeah no she's amazing she's such an awesome person and like i said um a lot of the things you know how somebody just makes put like they're put in your life for a reason for a reason or for a season we've lasted lots of seasons. So it's not just a season, many, many years. So the fact that when like me, us meeting, like I said, changed the tra- trajectory of my life, because if it were not for you, I would have never worked for the North Texas Super Bowl host committee. I would have never had all of these experiences because that led to jobs with hockey teams and doing stuff with final four and meeting Robbie, who I is still my mentor. And so And honestly, it's probably led me even in some indirect way into what I'm doing now with the podcast, because I think you think of people who've always believed in you and you're like, for me, I'm always that person when somebody's giving me a chance, I don't want to let them down, Mm -hmm. right? Like I want people to know if you've given me a chance, like I'm going to do everything that I can to make you proud, so to speak. And that's what I did when I was at the, you know, with Super Bowl because I was like, oh my gosh, if Veronica never told me this, like they created a position for me there because the position I interviewed for, they didn't give me, but they, I was persistent. You know, I'm not going to just like sit around being like, whatever. I'm like calling and making sure. And yeah. they ended up creating a position for me
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> love it.
0: And, but I just, you know, even though we're the same age, I've learned a lot from you. And I appreciate you so much and even though we don't get the chance to talk all the time like it just feels so good like this just feels like nothing, right? Like no time has passed because I still get to see on social and we still get to chat a little bit here and there, but I just want to say thank you for
1: taking the time to talk to me. Oh, thank my god, sorry it took so long, man. I'm <laughs> like oh. But it's great. It's it is what it is, you know. I'm very grateful for you and so proud of you and everything you're doing and I stay in touch with you too. I'm always like, oh yes, 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 yes. So, (laughs) But you know, what can I do for you is always what I ask you. How can I help you? And, and And I mean that when I ask that, so. You
0: do. And that's one thing that I, I think that's one thing that I really got from you too because it's one thing to just, like I said, be a cheerleader and be like, oh, yay, great. But it's another, like an advocate is like, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And I really learned how to. I think I learned how to be an advocate from you, from Robbie, from a few other people in my life. That I've learned how to really be an advocate, and I appreciate that because I think that takes all of us far. Right? That's the only way that we can continue to elevate each other and and rise up as a community. Is if we do that, right? So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. You're so awesome, Vero. And you guys, you have to follow. How can people follow you? Before I forget.
1: Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at health, we didn't talk about the Healthy Latina Lifestyle. That's my uh, my Instagram, and that's the platform I use to for Hey Chica, and it's Hey Chica Movement. So that's everything: Instagram, Facebook website and stuff. Um, and that's probably the best place for uh, and I barely go on Facebook as Veronica anymore. I need to just go and put my personal stuff on there. I've been more on Instagram and everything else, but it's still under Veronica Torres Hazley. Um and yeah, they can find me there. I think it's and we'll make sure to put all of the links in the show notes and on the
0: website. Thank you. Until next time, mi gente. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine & Chisme Podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine & Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at the Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at the Wine and Chisme podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.